This is an AMI podcast. Hey everybody, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Wednesday, it is the 3rd of January 2024. Still can't believe I'm saying that. And today we're talking about accessibility in gaming. Ooh. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, accessibility in gaming, eh? Ooh, yes, accessibility in gaming. <laughs> we treat this topic with such disdain, it is shocking, <laughs> quite frankly. Well, it's because, again, it's something we, we will get into, but, you know, me and gaming... It's something I used to do in the past and something I had to let go. But it is, you know, accessibility is a growing thing inside gaming. Huge. I mean, you know, so many games are starting to bring in accessibility features because of the update model. Rather than having to necessarily go away and build a new game from scratch, they can actually invest time and effort into actually building new accessibility features into updates and then just gradually rolling those out and it seems like some of the companies are doing really well at this and they're actually investing a lot of time and really focusing on getting the community involved to make sure that the games are properly accessible, right? Because I'm going to talk about this later with our guests today, but, you know, I do think we're at that point and it's kind of like the iPhone uh, moment as well when, you know, we kind of went beyond the, wow, it's got accessibility in it, this is amazing, to, hang on a minute, Braille's not great. And, oh, Zoom and yes. VoiceOver don't work well together. And Why is that? And, you know, we started to kind of nitpick the features, and then we started to do what everybody else does, which is, you know, just really focus in on, okay, this isn't quite right. Can we fix this? Can we make this better? And I think that's kind of where we're at with gaming. I feel it's kind of moved past that, oh, what, I can buy a PS5 and it is accessible to me? Yeah, exactly. It's almost the evolution of accessibility, as you said. We always get that, oh, we've we've started. Now I can actually use it, but now... Let's work on that, what I can actually do on it. I don't know how much of it is down to the actual development houses themselves, the game makers, and how much we can put down to you know companies such as Sony or Microsoft with the Xbox and PlayStation who have implemented into the system base accessibility as well. I mean, I think it's a, just a combination of both that's, that's making this, you know, like I say, a growing and evolving market. Yeah, but I also think that the consumers, the, the people who are playing the games, the advocates who are fighting for accessibility in the games, they're more vocal and they're more listened yes. to. I think this is the difference. I think there's a much more of a connection between the two that is unlike anything else. You know, you don't get that in washing machine world. You know, there's not as much of a, you know, <laughs> companies who make washing machines listening to their consumers in the same way and, you know, listening to advocates shouting because they're so far removed from their customer base. But you know, that's not the case with gaming. It's much more closely linked, I think. And I think that might be partly why it, the evolution of accessibility has been so quick. Yes. So we're going to get into all that today. Uh, coming up, we're going to hear from Sightless Combat. Uh, that is his uh, stage name. You might have guessed. I mean, it wasn't, you know, <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Combat. We, <laughs> and know, Sightless. Wow. Anoint your son. Uh, sightless. Um, that would seem a bit inappropriate. A bit harsh. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, thanks, says the baby. Uh, but uh, no, uh, Ben Breen is his name, but he is known as a Sightless Combat in the gaming world, and he will be joining us shortly to talk about that and talk about, well, all kinds of accessibility. He's also up for an award in the Game Accessibility Conference Awards that are coming up this month, cool. so very exciting. 
Uh, later, we'll also be joined by Steve Saylor, another huge voice in this arena. Uh, he is known as the Blind Gamer Online. He will be joining us to talk about uh, also uh, hosting, not uh, not uh, accepting an award, unfortunately, but certainly hosting the uh, Game Awards, uh, Game Accessibility Conference Awards. You've got to get that right, because there's a lot of different game yes, awards going on at the moment. Is. They're all getting mixed up, and some people, like me, get very mixed up between them all. Uh, so... Game Accessibility Conference Awards coming up in January. Steve Saylor's hosting that. We're going to talk about that with him. And also Grand Theft Auto 6. I'm going to get Ooh. into that with him as well because I want to know if he knows. I might ask Sightless this as well. I want to know if he knows if any accessibility is coming into that game because I'd love to play that game. Uh, I know. Yeah, I've got Grand Theft Auto 5 on a Steam account somewhere that I could never yeah. play. But, yeah. you know, I remember playing the overhead version, GTA yeah, 1, me. all those mm-hmm. years ago. It's just a bit of nostalgia. GTA London was my favourite. Yes, that's right, London with the minis. Yeah. yeah. Everyone was so polite whilst yeah. mowing each other down. Yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> um, so polite about it. Oh, goodness, I do apologise. I'm so sorry. That never happened, by the way. That's exactly just- what it was like, and you can't <laughs> prove wrong. Uh, also, we're going to be hearing from Grant Stoner. He was the man who brought us the story this year, or last year, I should say, 2023. Goodness, yeah, we've moved on. Get with it. Um, yep. Yeah. Last year, the big story was PlayStation 5 announcing an accessible controller. Uh, that controller is now becoming available this month, and from this year, you'll be able to go and buy it, but lots of people getting their hands on already. We're going to go back to the conversation we had with Grant when he broke the story. Uh, it was just an incredible time to learn about that because, of course, we at that point knew about the Xbox adaptive controller, and it was kind of like a your move moment, PlayStation. Yes. So, uh, yeah, uh, we got that story. So we're going to get into all that here on Double Tap today. But we start with Sightless Combat. He is, of course, the man who uh, has been working in advocacy for a long time. He's up for an advocacy award at the Game Accessibility Conference Awards this month, and he joins us now uh, back on the show, uh, returning champion. Uh, Sightless, great to have you back here on Double Tap. Ah, great to be back. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, it's great to have you back here talking all things games. You know me, I'm a huge gamer. I love uh, Hangman, Pac-Man. Um, although Jump you think... Man, uh, wouldn't you, there's, wouldn't there's one. Junk Man. Yeah, Jump man any, anything even. with man in the title kind of works. Do you know my early... I was talking uh, to Sean the other day about this. Do you know what my uh, earliest memory of playing a game on the computer was? And It was on the Mac. It was actually my Power PC Mac going back in the days. And it was Carmageddon. Oh, wow. Okay. Do you remember that? <laughs> uh, I know of it. Never played it. I'll tell you what Carmageddon <laughs> actually turns into. Well, not turns into. I'll tell you what you could take as Carmageddon. Me and anybody else racing in Forza. <laughs> ah, well, yes, absolutely. I, was, I thought you were going to say in real life. But, no. uh, yeah, I suppose in Forza no. is uh, equally the same. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So look, uh, since the last time we spoke, there's been so much going on. In fact, it's funny because I was just listening to an interview that we played uh, out during the holidays with uh, you and I chatting about the state of gaming in 2023. And, you know, every time I have this conversation, it feels like we move on at an incredible pace. Do you feel that to be the same in 2024? Uh, I would hope so. I mean, we've seen innovations everywhere from, you know, Diablo 4 being the first Diablo game to have you know, inventory and menu narration and all those fun things with navigation assist hopefully coming to seeing the first uh, mainstream sort of AAA live service game doing doing free aim with Sea of Thieves. Well, I say free aim, it's sort of what they call audio aim assist, which 
I would argue isn't even necessarily accurate because it's not assisting your aim. It's just allowing you to target. But I, I suppose that's all semantics, really. Uh, but I'm just pleased to be able to shoot skellies from a ship with an eye of reach, which is basically <laughs> a giant sniper rifle. Uh, which is, of course. I mean, I've been waiting for five years to do that. And I was like, I'm going to hit. Oh, my word, I got him. And that's been <laughs> a lot of fun, even with sighted crew. Um, I had, I think it was Mina, uh, who, when I took a shot the other day on stream, uh, a skelly, she was just like, nice shot. I was like, wow, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we've seen innovations like that. We've seen, you know, game game events being audio described again or having AD in one form or another. Mm. The Game Awards, of course, uh, had that with the wonderful Genissary from Descriptive Video Works putting in a phenomenal performance under the pressure of a live setting, which was absolutely brilliant i mean given of course you know potentially you know very little prep time depending on how these award shows generally work at least you know so that there's there's a lot to like and i feel like we're we're hopefully getting to the point where accessibility is going to be considered uh to a greater degree uh you know as time goes on i know we always say that but you know, with The Last of Us Remastered, Last of Us Part 2 Remastered, sorry, <laughs> coming up on uh, January the 19th, that's going to be very interesting to see what happens with that because it's bringing it into line with Part 1. Uh, yeah, because now naming is confusing, apparently. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> The Last of Us, which was never had a part number sort of assigned to it, is now Part 1 because Part 2 exists. Uh, but yeah, I feel like we're seeing a lot of headway being made, but there's still so much to be done. Of course, we've had Forza, we've had Mortal Kombat 1, uh, doing great things in their respective genres for accessibility as well. But, you know, we're seeing indies, you know, stories of Blossom, uh, you know, Stray Gods putting out information on how to navigate its menus and things, acknowledging almost that it didn't have enough accessibility for certain aspects of it, which is always good to see. Transparency and openness, you know, all of that in terms of uh, community engagement from devs is always great, um, as well as, of course, giving appropriate levels of feedback channels you know, providing those avenues for people to, to say what they need to say about accessibility and give those constructive critiques. That's a key phrase I, I tell people. I say, look, if you want to feedback about accessibility, be constructively critical about it. Don't just say it's bad. You know, mm. that, that doesn't help anybody. Uh, you know, provide ideas, solutions, potentially, you know, influences to draw from or even just say, you know, how how much you enjoy the game and what needs to be improved on a you know being as reasonable as possible sort of a basis i want to i want to pick up on that point you made about constructive criticism and i find this interesting because you know there is a time when it, i think in all accessibility where you know there's that initial moment when the accessibility comes into in this case the game or whatever game it is and there's that sense of relief oh i can play wow and it's like a wow this is great this is amazing and then you start playing the game and people start playing along with you and you start to enjoy playing the game. And that's when you start to find the flaws and you start to find the issues. And suddenly we move from a, thank goodness we have it, I'm so grateful to have accessibility, to, okay, this accessibility could do with a bit of work. <laughs> Are we at that stage now? I think what we're seeing now is kind of the the evolution of it. So we're still seeing games that are coming out with you know very little in the way of accessibility, particularly for gamers without sight. But that's, you know, unfortunately, that's a, a truth that we've come to acknowledge, me and so many others, that this will probably happen because, of course, accessibility for various levels of sight loss has been covered over the years. But gaming without sight is still a relatively unknown concept to most people. 
but as people are realizing, oh, this game's done stuff well, this game's done stuff well, they're learning from that, which is usually a good start. And it's mostly just a matter of conveying any flaws as a thing that a future game could work on. Unless, of course, the current game can resolve it. And, you know, the developers have said, you know, we're going to resolve X, Y, and Z. So it's it's an interesting point to be at because we're seeing accessibility becoming more and more commonplace for gamers without sight by degrees. But by the same token, you know, feedback channels still need to be there, of course. There needs to be availability of playtests and consultancy opportunities worldwide, definitely, um, so that, you know, many people who want to lend their voice to these discussions and give, you know, obscure ideas, you know, that might not have appeared before the airing that they might need, because those ideas might be the one tiny little innovation that might resolve a load of issues, for instance. Mm. Uh, you know, so, you know, we're seeing a lot of progress, but it's it's still slow, I think is what a lot of people think. Well, see, it's yeah. interesting you say slow. I, I, From my point of view, and I, you know I'm not a gamer, right? So I kind of watch this <laughs> from the outside, and I find it fascinating and that's why i like talking about it because i do think that this progress to you it will feel slow because you're inside this and you're kind of seeing things move and yeah, you would exactly. like to see them move quicker and that makes total sense i feel that way about audio description in television right i think <laughs> yeah. it just never nothing ever moves quick enough it's like you've done all the work now make it accessible to me why can't you just put <laughs> ad on television so i can watch it oh. in a simple way don't you know get me started on this right that's that's my thing hmm. but i think from from what i hear from you is is that there is definitely progress but i i would say to you that i think that progress has been faster than anything else in any other area i've seen i haven't even seen microsoft or apple move as quick to make as much accessible as what has been achieved in what feels like what the last five years? Yeah, I think that's a, a fair point because, um, you know, in the last, you know, since I started doing this, uh, you know, I've seen progress sort of move massively in the, the right direction. That's the key thing as well. The progress, regardless of speed, is moving in the right direction. So that's always a good mm. thing to, to look at. But I feel like as well, yeah, the reason we're seeing so much happen so quickly is partly because game dev takes ages, <laughs> or it takes time at the very least. Yes, yeah. And so sometimes game dev is like buses uh, in terms of accessibility releases, because we're seeing, you know, we say hypothetically in one year you have six games in development. Those six games might take three, maybe four years to come out, if not longer. So you might see nothing for the next, you know, year or year and a half or whatever. And, you know, by the time that's happened, games that have been developed several years before are then coming out with accessibility. So it's sort of in batches most of the time, it feels like. And sometimes you, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You know, developers want to put accessibility in, but other things are getting in the way. There's all sorts of interesting behind the scenes stories, discussions, all of that that happen as well. So I feel like it seems slow only because... We want it to happen faster, I think, is a, yeah. a good summary. <laughs> and we've been talking to various people in this uh, arena, and, and now I'm asking you because you are such a key figure in all of this, in particular around Grand Theft Auto, because, mm. you know, this is a game I remember, from, another game I remember actually from my <laughs> early gaming, gaming days, but I will say from the very first edition of Grand Theft Auto, top-down aerial view of little cars driving around. All I wanted to do was drive a bus. That's all I was interested in. I didn't want to knock anyone down. I wanted to stop at the traffic lights and not be hijacked. Yeah. That's all I wanted. Uh, I wanted a simple life. 
um, like most people. Uh, and I loved Grand Theft Auto for that. Uh, but of course, it's evolved so much. I have so many mixed feelings about Grand Theft Auto's latest release coming out. And I, I want to talk to you a little bit about that because I imagine the amount of time it has taken to develop this game. As you're saying, these the, the game development takes so long that it's probably missed this wave of accessibility by design from from the initial build. Do you agree with that? I mean, we can only speculate. I think that's the... Yeah, but we don't know. No, exactly. we don't, we don't, we don't know, know, but, you know, in terms of the current situation, I think until, you know, it is said otherwise in terms of accessibility, I think what we have to consider is that this won't have much... Because, of course, iteration happens so quickly. The, the accessibility wave, as you put it, has happened relatively late into the, the life cycle of this game, potentially. Uh, depending on, of course, when they started development, whether they had it concurrently with Red Dead 2 or before mm. that or any number of permutations. But, you know, I would love to think and I would love to hope that accessibility is considered from the ground up with this and it might just absolutely blow us all away and shock us in the most positive, impactful way possible. I am totally fine if that happens. That will be brilliant. But I think erring on the side of caution and cautious optimism is arguably the, the way the way that I go anyway. Because, you know, if a game then isn't accessible and you're only cautiously optimistic, you're disappointed, sure, but mm. you're not as disappointed as you would be if you were super hyped for a thing, thinking it was going to be fully accessible start to finish, and then it isn't. Um, you know, at which point various emotions can take hold, shall we say. But, yeah. I so what's your reaction to that? Because if that is the case and it isn't accessible, what's your immediate reaction to that? Is it is it to go in all guns blazing to, to Rockstar Games and say this isn't good enough? Or do we have to sit back and accept that this, this is a part of a process? <sighs> It's a tricky question. Difficult one, isn't it? No, it's a tricky question because I know there are individuals who would go in guns blazing to Rockstar uh, and say, you know, this isn't good enough. We need this result. But what you have to remember is that humans make games. People, you know, people are human. They make games. There are things that can't be done for various reasons. Engines, you know, platforms, software, just the the general code base being built on or whatever, you know, any number of things. And, I mean, as much as you shouldn't just have to sit back and accept it, part of that process is, it's not so much acceptance as understanding. So it's realising game dev takes time. It's realising how games are built to an extent. It's realising that even if all the team want to do it, there are other things that can get in the way. So budget, resources, time, you know, all kinds of stuff that can just sidetrack accessibility efforts or sometimes not even having accessibility people, you know, at studios, not necessarily with Rockstar, but just in general. You know, there, there are times where even if the rest of the team want to make accessibility happen, sometimes not having a person to either lead that or just having it be individual champions in separate teams, all of that disparity or you know, lack of connection between teams and stuff can can make that not happen. So there's all sorts of small moving parts in this giant puzzle that is game dev. And so I think it's really, you know, don't go in guns blazing, don't sort of, because that can just make devs annoyed and not want to work on it. 
You know, mm. they can make publishers not interested. If it starts kicking up a, a massive fuss in terms of negative PR, they, they might say, oh, we don't, want to, we don't want to work with this. This is, this is too much hassle. Whereas if you suggest ideas, things you want to see improved, express your sentiments reasonably uh, and, again, constructively in critique, then, you know, as long as a dialogue can be started and it's a positive dialogue for the progression and, you know, positive betterment of a, a franchise in terms of accessibility, for instance, then we will see improvement. It's going to take time. I'm not sure it will happen with GTA 6. I hope it does because I've always wanted to play a GTA game just to cause carnage, really. Yeah. <laughs> who, yeah, who, I mean, it's such a great it? game. You know, it's exactly, a institution. It is. It's huge. It's a massive game and it's been obviously around in various iterations for many, many years and many decades. But, you know, it is interesting because I'm with you on this and I think that it might not be the answer that gets people riled up. Maybe it will. I don't know. But I think that, you know, from my point of view, it is about a constructive conversation. It's also about realising that these games update over time. You know, Grand Theft Auto... Is still being updated to this day. Version five is still getting updates all the time. It wouldn't be a huge shock if there's a second or third wave of updates that come through that start to include accessibility. Because I don't think Rockstar would want to be left out of this wave either, especially with the positivity around hmm, accessibility because, in gaming. Well, yeah, because of course, increased accessibility equals increased sales. If we want to go to the shallowest possible. You know, um, Listen, we yeah. have money to spend and we want to spend it. Why <laughs> exactly. not? Why shouldn't we say that? No, exactly. You get like, we've seen it before, um, you know, games that have sold consoles, that have sold multiple copies, that have sold collector's editions, all yep. sorts of things just because they have accessibility. And, you know, that's the thing. If you want to go to its base level, if you make your game fully playable, without sight and without assistance being needed or workarounds being needed, then you will earn more money from people who will then buy copies of the game on multiple platforms, let's say, or even just on one and then maybe buy a copy for their friends or whatever it is. Or their friends might, you know, then stream the game and give it away because it's fully playable and they know that their their viewers are going to want to play it, for instance. So there's all sorts of ways to, to look at it from, from that point of view. And, I, and I, I agree. I don't think companies, you know, irrespective of who they are, would want to miss out on this if they're aware of the importance of accessibility in the first place and how crucial it can be. We all want to be involved in the same games as everyone else. We want to play the same games as everybody else. And, you know, live service games such as they are have this idea of being able to be updated inherently baked in. Sea of Thieves, for example. You know, mm. that's had improvements. Mortal Kombat's had improvements. Forza's had improvements. I mean, those are three out of many that have done various things. Uh, Diablo as well. Um, and, they, and, that, and that came from nothing, right? These were updates over time that brought accessibility in. Yeah, or, or they enhanced existing features, potentially. So, mm. you know, same menu narration was already in, but the inventory didn't narrate. And then the next yeah. update says, inventory narrates. It's like, ah, that's good. That's progress. So that's, yeah. you know, a key factor to consider if you've got a game that can update itself well not not update itself but if you've got a game that can update over time as a part of its makeup then surely that could be and arguably should be used not just to add content not just to make it perform better but to make it playable in the first place to people who otherwise might not be able to do so we're talking progress and you know here we are with you talking 
you know, from your perspective in this new role, I say new role, you've been in there a little while now, you've been working at RNIB. Uh, for people who don't know, tell us what you do and, and, and why that role is so vital. And also, I, I think, again, we should recognise that this role itself would probably not have been possible five years ago either, right? I mean, potentially, no. Um, accessibility roles have become more common, but I don't know whether, I mean, given RNIB's recent entry into the gaming space, RNIB, of course, being Royal National Institute of Blind People, uh, of which I am their accessible gaming officer. And uh, I started that role in July 2022. So it's been over a year, which is surreal. But I, uh, you know, under my handle, I stream content on Twitch, now on YouTube as well, because of simulcasting being illegal under the terms of service on Twitch. Um, I put content together for reviews, uh, written stuff, that is. I put videos together for YouTube. I put my thoughts on Twitter have a little Discord server where we organise collaborations for streams and things, amongst other stuff, as well as discussing things that aren't gaming, so things like 3D printing, music stuff, uh, food, <laughs> all sorts of things. I like that one. Can I get into that one? Can I get, I, I'll, I'll happily join that chat. I can talk about fried chicken all night long. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, I, I essentially... <laughs> You know, I discuss my first-hand perspective as a gamer without sight. So for those that don't know, I have never had any sight whatsoever. That's why I use the term, because legal blindness, which is often just shortened to being blind, can and often does include usable and or residual vision, which I've never had. So if people ever say, how much can you see then? It's like, I've just told you, I am a gamer without sight. <laughs> I just want to, while I've got you, I just want to ask you, because of course the Game Awards okay. uh, happened Sorry. last year as well. just want to quickly mention them. Uh, because Forza, of course, won the Innovation yeah. and Accessibility Award. Fantastic news, I'm sure you'd agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a little bit of controversy around the positioning of the award in the games itself. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? So for three years running, if memory serves, the Innovation and Accessibility Award has been a main show event. Uh, event, arguably being the right words, considering you know the reactions that it got uh, in you know a positive manner, uh, not just by the audience, but by people outside of the in-person uh, venue-based event or whatever virtual equivalent they might have had as well. You know, the fact of the matter is, this year it got moved to a pre-show event, which is, I mean, I don't, I necessarily, I don't really appreciate that because, you know, it's, accessibility is a big talking point around the industry. And having that just be delegated to, you know, the time where not everybody's in there who wants to see it, I've heard of people missing their own uh, their own projects that they were uh, involved in, partially winning an award. They've missed the win, which is you know horrendous. That's not that's not necessarily fair. I don't think that's not right. And we want people to be learning about accessibility and talking about it all. So I think you know accessibility should be amongst all the other categories. I don't see why it's any different to you know best mobile game, best you know whatever the other categories were, you know, throughout the various elements of the main show. I don't see how accessibility is any different and not worthy of being included in those listings. So I'm I'm curious to see what happens going forward because I know I'm not the only one who shares that frustration, I think is a good way to term it. I'm not the only one who shares that that frustration as to it being delegated to a, a pre-show uh, thing. I mean, to to be fair, the... You know, members of the team did get to speak as well, which is more than can be said for some awards. Um, mm. But that being said, it shouldn't have just been pre-show. And to your point in terms of, you know, the games identifying, 
you know how playable they are that's a very interesting point but i really feel like this is going to be a longer running debate that needs to be handled with great care and tact because there's a lot of people involved who could be impacted by whatever outcome this has uh in terms of terminology in terms of anything so i think it's better if we don't say you know outright at the moment or or, or at all you know our various you know sort of thoughts on it because we don't want to necessarily anger anybody unintentionally we don't want to burn bridges with that but i think half the battle is getting people to understand the confusion that's there and then maybe working out going forward what's going to happen as a as an end result maybe it, it's an interesting landscape to look at now for you it's another exciting year and it starts off with uh, a nomination for a rather prestigious award at the GA Conf, the Game Accessibility Conference Awards, uh, which are uh, coming up soon. And uh, you're nominated in the advocacy category, the advocacy award category, one last year, of course, by Grant Stoner, um, who we had on the show and have had on the show a number of times. Uh, he, he is and continues to be a fantastic advocate, as are you. And I've got to say, you must have been very proud to, uh, to get your name into that list. I was indeed very, very proud, and I was honoured to be featured alongside uh, two other amazing advocates, both of whom I actually know, which was slightly surreal. It's just like, I know both of these people. <laughs> so, it's a small world, though, isn't it? It's a small world in the gaming community. Well, the funny thing is, those two people I'd only really heard of uh, potentially in you know the last year or so, maybe slightly longer, but not by necessarily that much which was interesting uh, not that they hadn't of course been doing work for longer than that i'm not trying to uh, you know say that at all but i'd only known their names for a, a relatively short amount of time um so it was honored to be included alongside two amazing people in that list um so it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, once the once the awards are finally revealed as well Great to have you on as always, Sightless. Thank you so much for coming back on to Double Tap. No, I really, really appreciate it. And I want to thank everybody who voted for me in the Advocacy Award nominations as well. That was very much appreciated. And uh, I will. I look forward to returning once those awards are finalised and uh, to discuss many other things as well, uh, including uh, RNIB things, uh, including upcoming RNIB elements or things that are going on at the current time which will be very interesting Ooh. when they when they appear so <laughs> your big tease well thank you for coming on and uh, we look forward to getting you back on soon silas thank you so much thank you so there you go sean uh, i don't know what twitching is but uh, if you uh, can do it and no one is upset by it uh, <laughs> then uh, feel free to follow uh, sightless combat while he twitches uh, i'm gonna check it quite- out Yes, yeah. Twitch. Yes, I've yeah. heard of it. I haven't used it yet. I have never used it. I have no <laughs> idea what it is, but I, I believe the kids love it. And I believe some adults too. So uh, listen, stick around. We <laughs> made that so weird. Uh, but anyway, stick around. We are going to be uh, talking about the PlayStation 5 controller next. Send us your feedback to feedback at doubletaponair.com. Leave us a voicemail at one 803 4567 You're listening to Double Tap. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. Now, you might remember at the beginning of last year, PlayStation 5 announced that they had a new accessible controller coming out specifically for that console. 
And Grant Stoner was the man who broke the story. And we spoke to him last year to uh, tell all about the scoop. PlayStation contacted me, reached out and said, hey, we have an idea for a, uh, a story we would like to cover. Uh, would you be interested? I said, yeah, sure. And then they pulled me aside and said, all right, here's what this is. And this is going to be your exclusive piece. We're going to offer this to any other publication. I was like, oh my gosh, we listen. They were like, we have a controller. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's finally happening. It exists after <laughs> years. So it was, it was a big deal to finally uh, have confirmation that PlayStation has a hardware option. In your article, you did say, you know, that, that, that Sony in their announcement mentioned that they've been working on this for years and years. And you're kind of thinking, well, is this just a response to the Microsoft Xbox controller? Um, or was this, you know, something that they were going to do anyway? I honestly don't know. But the fact that well, they... who cares, right? I mean, let's yeah, be honest. That's I mean, the point. It doesn't matter. But the, the, they also make a big point of how they've been using, you know, people from the accessibility, uh, accessible gaming community and the disabled people just in the design of this. Uh, so, I mean, it... it, it <laughs> It may have took them a while to get there, but there's, there can't be any criticism for them, you know, to finally get in here, right? This is all positive stuff. Right. I think the thing that people need to remember too in this accessibility takes time. It's not something that you can just sit down and then, you know, two days later, you're like, all right, it's here, it's out. Many of the innovations that disabled players have come to expect over the years from PlayStation games have actually been developed for years so much so that they've had to skip generations of systems because the technology wasn't uh, compatible with the specific software that they're running Mm. Um, so for all we know which I personally don't know this but speculation again uh, this device has been in development at the same time of the adaptive controller it could have been in development the year of its release. Uh, we, we just don't know. I, I was kind of making this joke earlier, Grant, about, you know, why didn't Microsoft or Sony just go to Microsoft and say, hey, look, you know, that Xbox adaptive controller looks nice. Can we stick a Sony badge on that? Um, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> actually, is it kind of cool that they didn't do that, that they didn't just, you know, sort of team up, that they actually come up with their own design? Um, yeah, I think one of the best... Uh, forms of accessibility that disabled people have is the option of choice. Mm-hmm. So now we can choose uh, if Project Linear is more accessible for some than the adaptive controller. You can choose to be a uh, PlayStation player. If Microsoft's device is better for your needs, you have that option. But right now, uh, disabled people are not limited on what they can play. And hardware and software accessibility aside, when you're disabled and you go through life and you don't have these options before you, it's either you have to do it this way because that's the way it was designed for you, and that's it. This is a nice alternative in the gaming space to be able to sit down and be like, all right, I can choose how I want to play, what system I want, how I want to customize it, and I'm not restricted through other means. And I think that's really important. 
I just want to also ask you finally about um, the, the publication itself of your article, because you know, seeing it in Wired magazine, and I've seen with Verge, and, and Wired actually, these two in particular over the last year, I've seen really pushing more and more accessible news, accessible tech news through their publications. Are you finding that stories like this are becoming uh, more uh, or easier to sell to editors to say, look, we should talk about this. This is a story we should be covering. Oh, absolutely. I, um, I've been doing this freelancing professionally for, gosh, 2019, I want to say. Um, 2019, I was an editor on a website called Can I Play That, which um, is the largest disability publication in the gaming industry. And it was all uh, done for free, essentially. Um, not because we were being exploited, but because we knew that we had to make a difference. So we all sat down and we're like, okay, how do we show the industry, the journalism industry, that this is worth uh, reporting on? And for a year and a half, we wrote our collective, can I say this, remember? Is that long? You can say what you like. We wrote our collective asses off uh, <laughs> to show the industry that um, this is a beat that matters and can be uh, profitable through SEO practices and, of course, for viewership. Um, so since then, I've noticed personally, as a freelancer, if I make a pitch to a publication like Wired, uh, like IGN, uh, like uh, Inverse, I'm not getting rejected because it's accessibility. I may be getting rejected because it just may not be good at the time. Like, publications aren't saying, you know, oh, accessibility, like, we don't really care about that. It's too niche. There's an that's where you're very interested in this topic. Let's see what we can do with it. Grant Stoner, they're talking about the PlayStation Accessible Controller, which is coming out. I believe it's being marketed, Sean, with Logitech. Oh, they're really? With, they're working with Logitech on this one. Well, that makes total sense. Logitech are huge in this sort of market, right? I mean, when it comes to peripherals. So, yeah, that makes total sense. And hopefully there'll be plenty of them available. Well, I'm also kind of hoping that it'll maybe make some of their software a bit more accessible as well. Maybe that relationship could... Uh, Excellent point. Yes, Mm. yes. Come on, Logitech. That'd be quite good. Uh, Now, listen, uh, also, of course, in the arena of gaming is uh, Xbox from Microsoft and have been around for a very long time. Tara Volker spoke to us on Access Tech Live on AMI-tv, and uh, she told us her reaction to the news of the PlayStation Accessible Controllers announcement. I think it's absolutely amazing. One of the things I love about the controller that Sony is releasing, which I have pre-ordered because I want to check it out and I want to play with it, is that it's not the exact same as we built the adaptive controller. We have always talked about, hey, this was our go, but it's not perfect. And you know, we want to continue our accessibility journey. And it's great to see another company building a controller that's trying to reach the same goal of, you know, inclusion of people with mobility disabilities. And 
you know, they, they solved it in a different way. So now there's so much that we can learn from each other, but it also means there's more choice for consumers. And, you know, when you get to make a choice and pick the product that works best for you, that's when you're going to have the best experience. So like, I want more of these controllers. Cause there was also, um, the, uh, Nintendo released one that, uh, came out, uh, I think via Hori. So it's not quite the same, but the fact that, you know, there are now multiple controllers that you'll be able to choose from, uh, I think is amazing. Cause if you would have asked me, you know, five, six years ago, like, oh, do you think there'll be multiple accessibility controllers available? Like I probably would have laughed at you. Like I didn't see it coming. <laughs> so this is fantastic. And I want more. I just thought that was an interesting perspective, Sean, just to sort of look at it from the other side. And, you know, it seems like these companies are working so hard and so close together as well in some areas to make these games accessible. Because, of course, these games are available across platform. Yeah, of course. I mean, it just makes total sense to make your platform available to as many people as possible. Hey, let's talk more about gaming with, uh, of course, someone who knows all about it. That is Steve Saylor. He is uh, the blind gamer online and uh, he joins us now to talk all about uh, GA Conf coming up this month, also Grand Theft Auto 6 and more. Steve Saylor, good to have you back with us on Double Tap. Ah, Stephen, thank you so much for inviting me back. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to have you back with me, Steve. And, you know, it is that time of year we get the chance to reflect. As we go into a new year, we look back at the old year. And it has been another incredible year for game accessibility, right? Yeah, it definitely has uh, increased uh, a lot. And I, I think probably the momentum has has definitely increased uh, over the past just two years alone. Because, um, yeah, like when I started doing accessibility way back in like 2017, which isn't that long ago in the grand scheme of things of, of when it terms to video game accessibility. But at that time, it was still relatively uh, uh, like really new. And there was not a, like, as you said, there was like maybe like one or two games a year that would come out that had um, accessibility as part of the game and now we're seeing this year and having uh, not only just some amazing uh, games but just amazing games that are also accessible as well um, has been really really great to be able to see and just kind of like looking back and over the past like just six years that I've been doing this uh, it's it's amazing to be able to to finally be able to get to that point where now there's just a ton of games that I can that I and other disabled players can be able to finally be able to play instead of just waiting for that one to come out. Do you find, I mean, it's interesting because you'll speak to so many different people in the community and you'll, you'll probably speak to real hardened gamers, people who are really pouring their heart and soul into this stuff, not just in terms of making the games, but also playing them. But there's lots of us out there who aren't really that into these games. And sure. it's partly driven by the fact that, to be honest, we thought we couldn't play them. So, you know, we wouldn't go and buy a PlayStation or an Xbox because... It just wouldn't seem like a smart move. It would be like, okay, I can play one game on this or two games on this. But that is changing. There's so many more games to choose from these days. So it really is a time to get into gaming, I guess. Oh, totally. And from many different types of genres, too. I mean, the past, at least the biggest sort of accessible games have always kind of been a, uh, a genre that may not be seen as... Uh, approachable uh, by uh, people who don't play games like uh, for instance the last of us uh is definitely probably one of the more extreme accessible uh successes in the in the industry but i get it not everyone wants to be able to play uh, a game where you're basically just shooting zombies uh so i i think that um there's a lot of different games 
games that are out now for many different types of, of people. If you're into racing, uh, there's games for that. Uh, if you're into like art, like role playing games, there's uh, accessible games for that. It, it just there's many different types of genres that are now uh, really accessible. I mean, there, there's even a great cozy game for, called Stories of Blossom that is uh, I think it's probably like approachable by anybody. Like if you just like really good stories, but also have a like have it be accessible too. that's a, a, an amazing game that you can be able to check out. And no matter what uh, type of uh, experience you have with a video game. And, you know, can we can we bust this myth that it's just for young people? I mean, I think there's a lot of benefit in gaming for all ages. Uh, you know, there's even talk of how, you know, playing games can stave off dementia. You know, mm-hmm. there's research going on into that at the moment, you know, so people even in older years could benefit from this. There are lots of people just sitting at home, you know, they don't want to just watch TV. They want their, their brains to be stretched. Oh, totally. I mean, uh, over the course of the pandemic, uh, video games actually was the only medium that actually made money over the pandemic or over movies mm. and TV shows. And, and, and like they video games actually made a profit because of just how uh, connecting it was to be able to just to be able to play video games. But also it's kind of the, the benefit of adding accessibility into these games now makes it so that um, even like as we get older and our uh, reaction time is not as uh, as great as it once was when we were kids it, we, it now enables us to be able to play these games uh, and be able to play them at their at our own comfort level with regardless of age demographic or whichever so um, there's a lot of uh, d- different ways to approach playing video games I mean heck like I know that sort of uh, people may, may say that oh you like playing mobile mobile games are not mean not doesn't mean that you're a gamer it's like yeah no 100% if you love playing Candy Crush that's a game that's great for like for for a lot of folks and and uh, just be able to kind of you know just sit down and just kind of play a quick game of whatever so there's a lot of uh, a great variety of games that are now out there and also again um, games that are definitely available for a lot of us uh, older folks I think actually probably even the average age for just gamers in general are starting to kind of skew older into the 20s and 30s so we're definitely seeing a lot more uh, we want to we want to continue playing this hobby as we grow older so we kind of just didn't want to give up that uh, that hobby that we had when we were kids like no we like video games we want to continue playing them well that's right and you know a lot as you say a lot of people i mean i think back to you know when i was at school so we're talking 80s 90s um not the 1880s or 90s just be very clear on that (laughs) 1980s yes yes Um, no ages there steven come on (laughs) people think i'm old but i'm not that old uh but you know when i think back then you know it was like top down grand theft auto is the aerial version of that that Mm -hmm. i remember us playing on the school pc and i mean the school pc it was just the one that's all we had that's right that's right you remember it's like we all crowded around it at the you know the break times and we'd go up to the computer lab which had the one computer in it and you know it was great had so much fun and it was a really communal experience for us and of course online creates that opportunity as well so you know we're all growing up and we're all getting into our 40s and 50s now and Mm -hmm. it's a case of actually we're still wanting to to play these games if we can and of course having that ability to play them with a disability is 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 just incredible and I, i think it does open up the door for all kinds of opportunity for older people to, to, to play the part. You know, I, I, please don't mention Candy Crush to me, though, Steve, because I have a bit of a... Oh. Honestly, it's a bugbear to me. My mum has figured out how to play it. She's also oh, figured out how to buy... Oh, she's figured that out, eh? Okay, she's okay. figured out how to buy things on it, which is attached to my oh, card. No. Oh, no! I know! <laughs> which credit card is that linked to? Apple. I'm like, what is this for? What am I spending 30 quid for? <laughs> so the GA Conf Awards are coming up this month. We're looking forward to those, as always. You're hosting again. How are preparations going? 
Uh, yeah, no, basically I've, uh, I've had a great, a great team of uh, folks who have been kind of helping me out, you know, putting together the, the scripts and, you know, the different sort of, uh, other presenters that we're going to have as well. I don't want to spoil any, any of them uh, just yet, but, uh, we're, we're really excited to be able to kind of see how that all basically gets put together. And, and even if, uh, if you're worried about like, not being able to, to watch it or, or see it, if you have, if you're disabled, don't worry, we've got you, we've got audio described version. We've got uh, sign language, uh, sign language versions for the, for those who need it. Uh, we also have captions available so uh we'll, we'll we've got you covered if you want to be able to uh, come and watch this so we're really excited for uh, people to uh be able to come and watch and also celebrate some amazing games that and people who uh, helped make them uh, more accessible for disabled players you know i remember we talked about the event last year when you were on and uh, i think you come on just after the event and we talked about mm-hmm. it and you know the winners and it was just an incredible event i think because of the fact so many disabled people were there I mean, disabled people were hosting, presenting, you know, showing awards, part of the process. You know, it feels like it's a little world in itself in some ways that if if other industries could just get this or take this approach, we might be in a, a very different world in five, ten years. And it seems that it's happened very quickly. Yeah, totally. I mean, like uh, I've kind of uh, when I started in 2017, like which in the grand scheme of things is only like six years ago, which um, seems weird that it's like that's far back now it is. But uh, even just like seeing where we've come from just within the past six years, because um, in 2017, there wasn't really any uh, games that were kind of coming out that were accessible, that were accessible um, mm. to disabled players. Like maybe we would get like one or two uh, here and there. But now kind of seeing from 2017, it just in six years where we're now at a point where instead of just the one big game that we would get, we were now getting several in multiple different genres. It's really great to be able to see just the progress that we, that we've come in just a short period of time. I mean, but then again, like access, like building accessibility into games is, is not a new endeavor. It has been trying to build to like from many different kind of uh, luminaries and and advocates within the industry uh, going back even past 10 years ago, have been really trying to be able to break the doors down and, and, and trying to be able to make it so that disabled players can be able to play these games too. Um, it, there's a lot, lot of that work. A lot of the work that we're seeing today is a, is a thanks to, to those uh, folks from the very beginning. So yeah, it was a slow start to be able to kind of get us up and uh, up and running. But now, now the train is. I, I feel like the train has left the station. We're on the like we're on the track. It's we're now gaining speed, and it's just only going to get uh, uh, faster and uh, from here. Now, I mentioned Grand Theft Auto and the aerial view back mm-hmm. in the old days. Uh, and Grand Theft Auto 6 isn't far away. Um, yeah. Any word at all about accessibility in that? Or is is it too early to know? Uh, not yet. I think it is definitely uh, too early to know, at least at, at this point. Um, Rockstar is very good at being able to keep their cards close to the chest. Um, they, mm-hmm. they, they've been there's been rumors for years about what like what Rockstar was making as far as like their next uh, Grand, uh, Grand Theft Auto game. Um, and for right now, uh, like now that we've only had like we just had the one trailer basically uh, that has come out um, and took the Internet by storm um, that that's pretty much the only official announcement we've ever had in and the basically six years since uh or actually even t- over 10 years ago since grand theft auto 5 came out so um 10 years wow. yeah it's i know i know so rockstar has it like i i I have a pretty good idea that potentially there might be some more accessibility in there. I mean, they have been a uh, rockstar is pretty good to be able to sort of try to be able to keep up with, uh, with sort of current modern uh, trends, but also adding their own style into it. 
Um, I don't know whether it'll be accessible. They, they don't have a, like a, a big, huge track record as of yet. Um, but I do hope that uh, that they do have uh, definitely make it more accessible, especially for those who would like enjoy like Grand Theft Auto Online or even just the new sort of uh, thing that popped up from Grand Theft Auto, which is Grand Theft Auto Roleplay, which people are jumping in into private servers and basically ro- like role playing the, the world in, in within GTA uh, as their own avatar. And, that, and that's been um, amazing to be able to see, too. So nothing really uh, no news or no information as of yet. But I'm sure when Rockstar is ready to talk about it, they will. Yeah, that, that will be interesting because, of course, again, the other thing to think about here is the time it takes game to get built. Uh, and, and this is I mean, that game will have been in production probably in la- for the last 10 years. Right. So it's it's been being built for a long time. And therefore, yeah. this wave of accessibility has kind of happened in the middle of that. So you would hope that it comes out the gate fully accessible, but there's a good chance it won't. And should we be fair to companies about that? Should we say, do you know what? You've got to start building it in. We've got to know what your roadmap is. And if there is a roadmap for it, then we should maybe cut them some slack. Yeah, I think there definitely um, a lot of context of what you were saying is that you're 100 percent right. Like this, the game started development before accessibility kind of became a big topic of conversation within the industry. And so um, I my prediction for uh, for Grand Theft Auto would be that they might have some accessibility in there, um, but probably may not be as fully accessible as as a lot of uh, disabled players may want it to. And yes, that is disappointing, of course, like uh, especially with the knowing that, okay, yeah, now we're at a point in the industry where accessibility is kind of almost considered a uh, standard at, at this point, not fully yet, but you know, getting to that, uh, getting to that point, there will be some disabled players that are, they're going to be rightfully so upset that um, they were hoping that this would be accessible for them. Um, but I think that a lot of folks would definitely uh, would do better to be able to understand the context that this like development takes, as you said, development takes years to be able to build. I mean, the the Last of Us is a sort of like the biggest example that took several years to be able to kind of get to that point where it is accessible. Sure, it definitely made a big splash, and uh, but we can't expect every every game to kind of uh, to come out and basically to like uh, within even that year to be the same accessibility as the, as the Last of Us because yeah, it takes several years. I mean, even uh, Cyberpunk uh, took like over ten years to be able to kind of try to be able to get that right. Um, and even then, they're just they only just added an accessibility menu. Uh, and that's mm. like three years after launch. So um, I was definitely like they're never going to update these games. Right. I mean, they update them every day, every week. There's oh, totally. Update. And I could definitely see that in the future, like basically, OK, they, if Grand Theft Auto launches and it doesn't have the uh, the accessibility as much as we as disabled players would want because of how much Rockstar invested into Grand Theft Auto Online and that it's basically been an ongoing game for GTA 5 for 10 years, my guess is that they will probably have a lot more updates and keep constantly updating that so that their more accessibility can be added. So yeah, it may be disappointing to not be able to play it at launch for some disabled players, but uh, I think that if Rockstar has definitely the right team and the right sort of champions within the the, the, the studios to be able to make it uh, to, uh, to change champion accessibility, I think we'll definitely see a lot more uh, updates post-launch to be able to add more accessibility into the game. And is there a game for accessible Hangman? I mean, I love Hangman, and I want (laughs) Hangman back. 
I, I hear you. I hear you. I'm like trying to try to think of like, is there actually an accessible hangman now? I mean, there must I, be an accessible hangman. There probably sure. is some sort of version of it. I mean, uh, uh, for sure. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that'd be Not great. Radar. <laughs> uh, Steve, you've got the the big awards coming up. Tell people how they can uh, tune in and, and find out more. Yeah, you can be able to check out uh, the website to be able to check uh, to watch it there. You can be able to go to gaconf c o n f dot com or find us on our official YouTube channel, but just by searching for a GA Conference. Steve, great to have you back on Steve Saylor. Uh, thank you for coming on to Double Tap. Thank you so much, Stephen. Pleasure to talk to you. So thank you to Steve and uh, thank you to everyone for joining us today on the show. Just a quick reminder, we are live tomorrow. And when I say live, I mean actually live. <laughs> you can join us 12 noon Eastern on AMI-audio. And of course, you can catch the podcast a little bit later than usual uh, because, of course, the show is live and we're on for a two-hour special celebrating World Braille Day. Join us for that tomorrow here on AMI-audio and a little bit later on podcast. 12 noon Eastern is where you'll find us live on AMI-audio and on podcast a couple of hours later. It's a two-hour World Braille Day special. Sean, are you prepared? I'm nervous, but I'm prepared, Steve. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Yeah, going to be a lot of fun. We'll catch you then. Bye-bye. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.